Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Right, let me start by giving you an update. Because on Friday, so today is Monday, on Friday, just before the weekend, I picked up what is only the second ever adventure motorcycle that I've ever tested. The first was a Harley Davidson Pan America, Harley Davidson's new adventure bike. You know, one of the most premium most expensive adventure bikes. I'm sure it's something like 14,000 pounds or something. It's got a huge 1250cc engine. It's probably the best motorcycle I've ever ridden if we're purely looking at, looking at what is good by, you know, the handling, the stability, how impressive the tech is. If we're only going on that side of things as opposed to the character and the charm and the looks, then the Pan America is the best motorcycle that I've ever ridden. And I went completely to the other end of the spectrum on Friday. I, I've been in touch with a, a Swedish guy who lives on the island of Tenerife and he said, Freddie, I've got a 1990 Honda Transalp. And I won't go into too much detail because this is the latest YouTube video I posted just yesterday. So go and check out the YouTube video if you're interested. But in essence, what it is, is one of the first adventure bikes before adventure bikes were really even a thing. Came out in 1987. It's a 600cc water-cooled carburetted engine and it is an adventure bike. It's got lots of plastic fairings, it is, it's got high ground, ground clearance, it's got a high exhaust for going through water, it's got a, a, what do you call it, a sump guard in case you go into rocky terrain, you won't damage the underside of the bike. It is in essence, of course, what we describe now as an adventure bike and it is a do anything, go anywhere, incredibly rugged bike and it's 
1,500 euros. In fact, you can pick it up for less than that. So a couple of things I want to get to first, but after that, I'm going to spend the majority of today's podcast episode looking for a great, great value, really great value, adventure bike. More on the budget end of the spectrum. I want to see what I can get for under 3k or so. Can I even get some stuff for one and a half k? Because after trying out this Transalp, yeah, it opens my eyes. Look, adventure bikes aren't the exact bikes that, that fit with me as a biker. However, I completely understand the appeal. And after riding this Transalp and after riding the Harley Pan America, I get them 100%. They are extremely efficient modes of transport and they are mile munchers. They're very, very good motorcycles. And it has a little bit got me thinking, how interesting is this? If you can get a bike that you could genuinely traverse the world on, ride around the world, whether it's through Mongolia, through all the way through the small streets of Europe, through China, through the USA, the entire world on a bike that's designed for the job. And that's the key. You know, I could travel the world on any bike in theory, but an adventure bike is made for the job. It's incredibly comfortable. It can cover all terrains. It can easily hold luggage. So what can I get for a budget amount of money? Let's say between one and 3K. That, that is my aim for today's episode. Let me go through a few things though, just to uh, first of all, JB, again, I had to follow this up because JB from Scotland, um, he sent me over the tips on the, the Kajiva Raptor last week. And he did actually just send over another email in response to that. And I wanted to share it because I, I do actually think this is interesting. Um, Freddie, with all of the incoming rules, fuel, fuel prices uh, rising, quieting exhausts, etc., etc., have a think about this. Number one, buy a historic pre-1981 motorcycle. That basically means they, they won't have any of the, the annual checks and it means they won't have any tax. In fact, maybe it means they won't have any, maybe it means they will still have the annual checks, but they won't have the annual road tax, which is about £110. And you won't need to pay the ultra low emissions zone charge in London, which is something like £12 a day because it's pre-1981. So that will be exempt. So you could be saving a lot of money, especially if you live in a city. And I carry on from, J from JB. Step two, pull out all of the aged unreliable electrics and install a brand new motor gadget electrics set uh, setup. And now I've never tried this before, but if anyone's interested, I have heard a lot of people saying very good things about this. Go and check out Moto Gadget, M-O-T-O -O Gadget. Never tried it, never used any of their stuff, but I have heard good things. I've looked at the website about two years ago. It looks impressive, so check them out. And number three, fit new or refurbished uh, carburetors and you are good to go. Not super cheap motoring, but what you end up, uh, but what you end up with is a classic motorcycle with no tax, Low insurance, glorious classic, and starts every time. Your 2K budget, Freddy, looks doable and future prospect of appreciation in values. Uh, and I'm carrying on here, just a final sentence from JB. With the way things are going, I am actually inclined to go down this route myself and replace the rocket, the Triumph rocket. 
that is, uh, it's interesting how different people are feeling about this with rising prices, rising regulations. Um, hmm. This is something I've had a few people contacting me about, you know, whether it's simplifying the motorcycle that you're buying, looking at ways to make motoring more affordable. Um, it's, it's a very, very pertinent, relevant subject. And actually, and I've discussed it a few times on the podcast episodes, but actually going back to an even older motorcycle it could could be the way. A lot of the time I say, you know, it's got to be 2010 onwards because that's when they're, I don't know, Euro 4 or whatever it is, I, I get confused. But that's that's what means that you won't need to pay any of these penalties in Europe for, for you know, running an older motorcycle. But if you go even further back, way, way, way further back to 1981, you'll actually get rid of all of those regulations completely and your vehicle will be completely exempt and of course there is the argument that you know you're you're running a used motorcycle that uh, hasn't cost or taken any you know any fuel any energy to build a brand new bike you are reusing repurposing uh, what is possibly a bike that's been left in a shed for a couple of decades you're getting it out of there and you are getting it back on the road that in itself is quite quite an environmentally friendly thing to do so there is an argument for that uh, number two i'm moving on now to nile um so sorry now i completely forgot but i think you are if i remember correctly based in norway um, Freddie, regard, regarding the Kajiva Raptor, I bought a crashed one about two and a half years ago and did some work on it during lockdown. It's running well, but now still needs some cosmetic work and a few parts. That, that is where the issue starts. Um, sorry, I was just checking something else when I was talking. I've lost where I am. Um, and it needs a few parts. That's where the issues start. And I assume the reason why they don't command high prices. Parts for Kajivas are extremely difficult to find. Not impossible, but you need to be dedicated. That's, thank you for raising this point, Niall. Because if you buy either a really old rare classic motorcycle or if you buy a motorcycle from a brand that is now defunct, is now out of business. For example, you know, Kajiva, also Buell as well, the old sporty arm of Harley Davidson. You run the risk with that rarity that parts are going to be incredibly difficult and possibly expensive to, to replace. So yeah, you may be able to buy these motorbikes for, for cheap, but and it's the same with all old bikes. As bikes get older, as they get rarer, the parts do start to dry up. The, the dealerships, the motorcycle brands, whether it's Triumph or Ducati, they will stop making these parts. And you then rely on third-party organizations to, to carry on building these spare parts for the bikes. I mean, I know even from my Suzuki Bandit 2002 model that I had maybe three years ago now, even for that very common bike, you know, it was getting a bit harder to get some parts. So you'd have to get some, 
you know, second-hand parts you'd have to find off eBay. And it's not a problem because there are still a lot of them, but when they dry up, even the second-hand parts may start getting harder to find on the likes of eBay. So it's a very, very relevant, pertinent thing to mention this. Buying a second-hand, rare, rare motorcycle. Just be ready for the fact that it could be a headache finding these parts. I know that, for example... Easy Rider in Tenerife, he's got this stunning Harley-Davidson 1998 model. He's, he's made it old school looking, brilliant. And he said, the problem with these is, you know, getting parts for them. In fact, no, sorry, it was a 1972, I think, shovel or pan head, the one he had real difficulty with. Basically a really old classic Harley-Davidson, looks incredible, ex-police bike. And he said, look, it's brilliant, but it's a nightmare getting the parts because no one knows how to work on these old Harley-Davidson's on the island of Tenerife and if you need any parts at all they all have to come from the US and shipping parts from the US to the tiny island of Tenerife is a nightmare and in such short supply is the expertise on vintage Harley-Davidson's in Tenerife that Adam the owner of Tenerife on Triumph he actually bought a second-hand gearbox for his 1972-ish classic Harley-Davidson and then he had to coordinate buying that let's say off ebay he bought it in the us and then a specialist harley davidson gearbox restorer in the us had to pick it up completely restore completely refurbish that gearbox and then send it over to tenerife so adam could be sure he had uh, a very good gearbox that will last at least a few years they're just some of the kinds of things that you have to bear in mind of course it's easier if you live in a bigger country there's a much higher chance you can get all of these parts but it's something to bear in mind right on to the bit that that will take up most of this podcast episode with my my newfound appreciation of just how damn good adventure motorcycles are i really i really do like them it's almost like a guilty pleasure for me i like modern classic motorbikes i like the way they look but you cannot argue with how good adventure motorcycles are that they are incredibly good modes of transport and i am now starting to like 1980s and 1990s styled motorcycles they went through a period i had no interest in them i thought they were incredibly ugly and now i think they're starting to look really good so much so that someone said to me a few days ago and i agree maybe it's time that some of these motorcycle companies started bringing back that 1980s that 1990s styling so i will be looking at Maybe 1980s are pushing classic territory, but around about 1990s era motorcycles, adventure motorcycles, and seeing what I can find and what I would trust with my own money. If it were my own money and I wanted to travel the world, you know, I need a bike that can get me everywhere and do everything. What would I put my money on? That is what I'm going to spend my time on. Now, three, two, one. And I begin. First things first, let's go to bennetts.co.uk. Top 10 old school adventure motorcycles. Right. Now, they're rating their top 10. Top 10 old school adventure bikes. First one, 1987 Suzuki DR750S. 
and I already know, like this is, this is the problem. Some of these are becoming classics now. So for example, I don't think there are going to be any of these. Suzuki DR750, it looks brilliant. I, I have to say this, if they made this now, if Honda reintroduced the Suzuki DR750S, I honestly think it would be a huge sales hit. So good does this bike look that I, I honestly think Suzuki wouldn't need to change the styling at all. It looks bang up to date just the way it is and I would be amazed beyond belief if this is anywhere anywhere near affordable. So Suzuki DR750S, let's have a look. My prediction, there'll be exactly, exactly zero available on Autotrader. Suzuki DR, no, see there aren't, there's not one. There's a DRZ400, let's just see if that's anything like the same. No, it's not. It's not a snow adventure bike. Okay, so there are none available there. I will quickly check eBay. But this, this I knew would be a problem. If you're going for the older models, they are bang on classics now and just way, way too expensive. I mean, here we go. I'm on, I'm on eBay. And, and there are none. You know, there aren't. Surely there must be one. Oh, there's one available. One available. Uh, this is incredible. It's in Sheffield, it's £7,500. If you look at these older ones, especially the 1980s, the interesting thing I found when doing a huge amount of research on the Honda Transalp, adventure bikes weren't really a thing. I think the first one was the 1980s BMW GS, was it 100 or something? But they didn't know what they were. You know, they hadn't quite defined the market. Some call them classic trail bikes. Some call them adventure bikes. Some call them dual sports. Some call them sports touring adventure. They, they hadn't quite defined it. I think Honda at the time when they brought the Transalp out, out they defined it as the, the new generation um, do-it-all bike or something like that. But they hadn't clearly defined the adventure bike segment. But, you know, this is a lovely looking bike. It's seven and a half thousand pounds, though. It's done 24,000 miles. Just have a listen to this is the description. This sought-after icon is in amazing condition. The day of the big thumper is epitomized in this monster classic dirt bike. Outstanding condition and a rare bike. The laser exhaust system looks great. Hepkenbecker luggage options um, opens up the potential for touring. Um, finally, the unmarked bash plate, yada, yada, yada. I could go on and on and on. Look, it's a lovely bike, but but it's well into the realms of classic now. And seven and a half K is just way, way too much for me. So I'm carrying on. 1998 Aprilia Tuareg. Now, the first thing that goes through my head, would I trust Aprilia for, for that level of reliability? I welcome any thoughts on that. Please do let me know how you rate Aprilia reliability-wise. I've just got a slight fear that would I trust this to travel the world in? I'll have a look and see. Okay, Aprilia, Tuareg. Well, there's no Tuareg 600 on Autotrader, but I can get a 660. Oh, which I think is... Oh, it's, this is a brand new bike. They brought it back. Aprilia Tuareg. 660 for 10k of course way out of my budget you know what 
I think that's going to be too expensive. BMW R100, the first, I think that's the first ever adventure bike. That is going to be too expensive. Honda Africa Twin next. These are the bike, this is the adventure bike that came out six months after the Honda Transalp. But the minimum price now is four and a half thousand pounds sterling in the UK. These are an absolute bona fide bang on classic already. They've begun the rise, they're too expensive for me now. And this is the thing, if the 80s bikes are now too expensive, I will be forced to go and have a look at the, 90, the late 1990s, early 2000s. But let me do one more for you before I move on. And that is a bike that I'm not very familiar with, the Kawasaki KLR650. This is still in Bennett's list as top 10. 1989, and it looks superb, but I've never come across it. Kawasaki KLR. Let me just see. I think this, I can tell by the look, it's going to be too expensive. But I'll check. Oh, there, there are two. I think there are two. Oh, there are two available from the year 2000, 650cc. Hmm. That's quite interesting. Uh, £2,400, it's just... No, that's been stripped back. No, it's turned into a trails bike. No, I can't get one of those. Ignore me. Okay, I'll move on. The 80s are out. Forget about the 80s. I'm moving on now. Best 1990s adventure bikes. I'm going to have to go. And I'm going to Visor Down, who eight years ago, they said... They did an article called The 10 Coolest Adventure Motorcycles. And listen to this as a theme. Honda Africa Twin, here we go. This is even eight years ago, but have a listen to this. Now, this is incredibly interesting because in the UK, the cheapest Honda Africa Twin you can buy is £4,500. However, this article from Visor Down stating the 10 coolest adventure motorcycles puts the price range of the Honda Africa Twin at 1,800 to 5,000 pounds. That means in the past eight years, the cheapest model has gone from 1,800 pounds to four and a half thousand pounds. That's 3,700 pounds in eight years. My prediction is prices could well could well start rising very, very quickly for that. That is, I honestly think at four and a half thousand pounds for the Honda Africa Twin, still undervalued. I wouldn't be surprised if by the mid 2020s, let's say 2025, 2026, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 10,000 pounds minimum for the Honda Africa Twin. I really do think it could go that high that quickly. So it's a bit over the budget that I would want to spend for now. However, if you've got the money and if you've got the space, go and take a look at one of those original late 1980s, early 1990s Honda Africa Twins. That would be a superb, superb investment motorcycle. Uh, Suzuki DR, again, you know, the Suzuki's coming up. I mean, listen to this. Same article, visor down, eight years ago. I'm so excited. Eight years ago, this article came out, 
and the same. There is only one available in the UK, Suzuki DR750, the one I just told you about, seven and a half thousand pounds, very nice condition. It's got 45 horsepower, looks great. You know what visordown.com gave the price range at eight years ago? One and a half thousand to four thousand pounds. And now the only one available in the UK is seven and a half thousand pounds. Sometimes it's hard understanding where you should put your money for investments with regards to motorcycles. You know, we're looking at the, 1880, uh, the 1980s now as, as a real, real hot area for motorcycles. It was an era when motorcycles, they, you know, they'd just got that level of reliability and these styles that we've spent the past 10 years as thinking were incredibly tacky from the 80s, or at least in my mind, and now suddenly I love it. And suddenly I think, you know, maybe even a year or two too late with me saying this right now, but these are incredibly desirable bikes. You know, these are the first of the adventure bikes, highly, highly desirable. This came out in 1988. That means the Suzuki. That means it's 30, 34 years old. 34 years old. And that's the magic number. You only get to 30 years old, whether it's a car or a motorcycle, you know you are imminently about to be on to a bang on classic. So if you can find any motorcycle, possibly even in general any motorcycle from the 80s, especially if there's something special about it, do not sell it. Um, KTM 950 Adventure. Okay, I'll, ch I'll check these out. I think we can find something for that. KTM 950 Adventure. I've never considered buying a KTM before. Not for any good reason. But let's see what I can find. KTM 950 Adventure. See... You don't get to find these classic bikes on, on Autotrader. Autotrader is not a good place for classic motorcycles. You need to go to eBay. Okay. KTM 950 Adventure. There are, there are two. Two available on eBay. It's an okay style. It's, it's a brute looking bike. Real brute looking bike from 2003. For sale is my wonderful KTM 950 Adventure. I've owned this for a few years and have done some amazing journeys on it. Over lockdown I stripped the bike down and worked on upgrading it to make it tip top ready for traveling last summer. Alas work has taken over and I haven't been able to take it away as planned therefore it's for sale. It's got a raft of receipts. It's the last of the carbed model. Interesting, even in 20, well, I guess it makes sense, 2003, it was still the carb model, which this owner says runs more sweetly than the fuel-injected 990. So what we have here, but it's still £4,000. You know, I'm looking for less than that. Is this going to be harder than I thought to find a good adventure bike for less? Am I looking at too many of the, the bikes that are that are already borderline classics. Let me just see if I can find anything else. That's too expensive. Aprilia Touareg, I know that's too much. Kajiva, Kajiva Elephant. Kajiva Elephant. I tell you what I'm going to do. Oh no, here we go. 
here we go. Yamaha XTZ660 Tenere. A lot of people talk about these as being one of the ultimate adventure bikes. Yamaha. So I'm, I'm speaking as I'm looking. So I, I'll start again on Bike Trader. Yamaha. And let me get the exact one. XTZ660 Tenere. XTZ660. 660, yep. Ooh, okay, now there are some. Uh, XT660, here we go. That's the 660X, and I'm guessing I will need the XT660, the other one. There are two variants, XT660R and XT660S. No, but that for me... Maybe I'm looking at the wrong one. It's, it's a good-looking off-roader, but that's no adventure bike that you can sling panniers over. Okay, right. I'm going to have to do it the old-school way because these are all too much. I want something not a million miles off the 2K mark. Let me go to Triumph and have a look what I can see there because the interesting thing is I can't remember exactly when the Triumph Tiger came out. But none of the websites I've seen for the 1990s top adventure motorcycles, none of them have the Tiger in the list. So does that mean that I actually here could be on to, to, to a cheap option here? Right, so 110 Tiger. Okay, so we've got the Tiger, the Tiger 1050, the Tiger 1200. Now, I know the 1200 would be good. I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind something a little bit lighter. Let's click on Just Tiger, nothing else. And I'll go to cheapest price first. Okay, you can get a 2003 Tiger for £2,900. You know, it, it's probably okay. It's not the bike that I immediately would pick just purely based on the looks-wise. I don't think its day is now for a bike that's imminently to be a classic bike. I'll try the Tiger 800 and see what I can find. So here you've got, you know, you're looking at here. This is interesting. You're looking at a 2011 Triumph Tiger, 800cc, 95 horsepower, about 33,000 miles on the clock. In fact, in fact, there's one here, 3,400 pounds for 2013 Tiger, 43,000 miles on the clock, 800cc, 3,400 miles on the clock. It, you know, it could be, it, these would be very good bikes, they would, but I really want to see if I can get something maybe even a bit cheaper and maybe a bit closer to classic status. I would love to find something from the year 2000 or older, and I just don't know if it's possible. So what I'm going to do, I'm going make any motorcycle make at all, and I'm going type of motorcycle, adventure, and I'm going year... I will put the, the maximum year I'm looking at from the year 2000. Now, 10 motorcycles come up. Let's have a look what we can find here. Yamaha TDM from 1997. So this is a 25-year-old motorcycle for £1,300. 
This is more my area because at 25 years old, you know that in five years time, this may well be a highly desirable motorcycle. And it's got that, being a 1997 model, it's got that styling that it's a bike that could well grow into its looks imminently. It's not exactly a looker, but I genuinely start to see the appeal of this bike now. It's got these funny twin round headlamps. It's got 39,000 miles on the clock with, with five owners, 850cc motorbike, two sets of keys. Only bad bit is a common TDM issue. The front sprocket nut welded to the shaft. However, the current uh, DID chain uh, set has... Uh, has a lot of life left in it. So it may need a bit of work in a bit, but for now, perfectly usable. And at £1,300, surely that's worth a punt for a future classic and a bike that you could tour the world on. This is my pick so far, Yamaha TDM 850. That's the number one so far. That's the first that really excites me. And number two, I can't believe it. There's a Honda Transalp. But this one is the 650 variant, the updated one from the year 2000. 2,250 pounds for a Transalp. It's got obvious updates from the one I tested. This is a, a genuine facelift model here. But it's, again, it is not a looker. Not a looker. I prefer, now I prefer the Mark I Transalp. But if you would ask me that five years ago, do I prefer the Mark I or Mark II Transalp? Well, I may well have said the Mark II because I found the Mark I looking slightly tacky. But now, again, these 80s, these 1990s models, they are growing into their looks. And what used to be tacky is now incredibly desirable. And I can't help it now. I just look at the Mark I Honda Transalp and I think, my God, that's a good looking bike. Uh, and the Mark II probably needs another couple of years. And I will do... Let me do the final two bikes here because there's something that's slightly surprised me. And that is uh, two I want to say to you quickly. Honda XL600, it's a very, very good looking bike, but I would say it's more of a some kind of trails looking bike, not as easy to sling panniers over possibly. BMW F650. It's 650cc adventure bike, smaller sized adventure bike, not a looker, 48 horsepower, 23,000 miles. Ugh, I'm going to side actually at the moment with this Yamaha, but let me just see another one. BMW R1100. Well, who would have guessed it? BMW R1100 from 1994, so that is 28 years old. Red color, and now this is a bike that doesn't need to grow into its looks. It's at a significant vintage where it is now a genuinely cool bike. The most ridiculous beak front fairing I've ever seen. Bright yellow seat, sounds ridiculous when I describe it. It looks completely ridiculous, but it's now of that vintage where it will be a desirable bike. And you can get that from a private seller. So you will get the best possible deal for £3,100. If I had a garage, I'd be buying that and putting it in the garage. The, the seller, private seller describes it. Reluctant sale of my much admired BMW R1100 GS Airhead. Excellent condition for age. Super reliable, comfortable, great to ride. This is 
one of the original top spec UK bikes from 1994 in the iconic Tonka toy color scheme. It is also remarkably still in almost 100% standard condition. Okay, so that's it. I'll wrap it up here with my final two. If I were looking for an adventure bike to travel the world in that I think will get me everywhere, that is incredibly reliable, that will have rock solid residuals, I would be looking at a 1994 BMW R1100. Remember I said this, 3,100 pounds now, that will not be the case within the next year or two. Try and find another one that good for 3.1K or less. I, I think you're going to struggle. If you're in the UK, get onto autotrader.co.uk, type in BMW 1100 or BMW R1100 and grab it. Similarly, the Yamaha TDM850, again, on Autotrader, grab it if you can, because that will be a very, very good bike that will be a genuine daily user and it will start going up in value very soon so have a look at those two i'll wrap it up here thank you so much everyone for listening to this week's episode have an amazing week all and i will speak to you in the next one Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.